Welcome to Tea O'Clock with Keller. Bring your tea and leave with more. Welcome to episode two of the new series. This is a very literary erudite episode. <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm not sure how awake my brain is, even though I've had a seminar this morning. I think I'm still asleep. <laughs> so, might be. Oh, that reminds me. Actually, when we get on to the what we've been consuming, I've got a question to ask you already. Ooh, ooh okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, today is the. Clara and the Sun episode, which was written by Kazuo Ishiguro. Yes. Oh, that is a chunky book. I'm just looking at Ella's got her copy. It's ready. A, a, it's, it's taller than a normal paperback. Yeah. I don't know why. Hmm. I was just trying to see when it was published. Oh, it published this year. Yeah, I saw Jack Edwards. Big shout out to Jack Edwards. We love him. He was talking about it. I don't know if any got sent it, perhaps. I know it doesn't really matter, but yeah, did just come out. So look at us, we're very current on trend. We are. Normally I'm reading books that were like brought out 50 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Or 100. Yeah. Or 200. Wow, I mean, well, we're literature students. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, before we get started with Clara and the Sun, we'll do uh, what we've been consuming. Hey Kerry. I have been listening to You're Dead to Me, which is a podcast hosted by Greg Jenner, who works on horrible histories. He's a historian. And he gets a historian and a comedian together in a room and they just talk about really cool events or people from history. Like Boudicca was one of them. There's an LGBTQ plus episode. Those are really cool things. So I've enjoyed listening to that. And then in terms of what I've been reading, I started reading Telony, which has been attributed to Oscar Wilde, but it's probably written by a mishmash of people. And uh, I wouldn't really recommend it very uh, for a very specific audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, well, it's a work of erotica which I have to read for uni, hence why I'm reading it. So, yeah. Not your everyday book. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I haven't finished reading it. So, yeah, not much more to report on that yet. Uh, and then in terms of what I have been watching. Oh, yeah, I have been watching Lucifer Season 5. I don't know if I mentioned that before or not. So I'll just say again. And I've been really enjoying it. Oh, that's good. And also, I should mention now that my Wi-Fi <laughs> is down. <laughs> I'm relying on my data. And I'm trying to troubleshoot it whilst we're talking anyway. <laughs> so let's hope that we could get on all right for now. But anyway, Ella, um, on to you. <laughs> okay. Um, so I took myself on a little solo cinema date last week. Yeah, God, it feels like Um, So I took myself to go see June in the cinema, which is currently not out in the UK. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it's out until like the 22nd of October. Mm -hmm. But it's already out in Germany. And I would highly recommend if if you like kind of like 
sci-fi dystopian kind of action I don't know it's just really good really good world building and storytelling and I really enjoyed it and I haven't read the books but I kind of yeah. have to but I really, mm. really enjoyed watching that it's a proper like spectacle film to be seen on the big screen and yeah really loud and all the music by Hans Zimmer so really really enjoyed that Aww. yeah and then I'm currently reading Machines Like Me by Ian McEwan and I think I've only got a chapter left so hopefully I'll oh. that today um and that is also one of the books alongside Clara and the Sun that I'm reading for my AI novels module so it'll be exciting to start talking about that one Mm-hmm. So that's all fun and exciting. I'm very much in an AI, I know, mindset with uni stuff at the moment. <laughs> There's a lot of it yeah. going on. And I've also been listening to a new podcast. I have you. To oh. Films to be Buried With, with Brett Goldstein. I think, I think he's a stand-up comedian and... He hosts this podcast where he gets a different guest on every week. So he has like actors or comedians or like film directors, things like that. Like really cool people. And he gets them on. And it's basically like a book club, but for films. Stop it. I would need to listen to this. It's so good. So I would highly recommend listening to it. And I kind of want to do like our own version of it at some point because it was really fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Chats to people about their life through film, and then Aww. at the end he asks them if they could be buried with one film, what that film would be. And so yeah, I would recommend that if you like films, want some recommendations, or just anything. If you want a book club about films, listen to that podcast. What is it called again? I want to look it up right now. Um, films to be buried with. Okay. Scene. Oh, I see. Yeah. And there's like oh, a yeah. odd episode. And he's, yeah. just, he's really good at talking to people and it's just a really fun, fun thing. So. Oh, what is he known for? I think he's a stand-up comedian, I want to say, because he was, was listening to one where he was talking to another comedian. They were talking about Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Okay. Brett Goldstein is an English actor, comedian, and writer. Mm. Oh, best known for writing oh, and drawing in Ted Lasso. What's that? It's a, like an Apple TV comedy series, which is really popular. Oh. That was him. Not that I've seen okay. it, but... Oh my god, he's got good people on here. He's got like Ed Gamble, Jack Whitehall, yeah, yeah. Um, Rose Sheen Connerty, <gasps> James Acaster. Yeah, I listened to the so good. one. And yeah, he gets good people on, so would highly recommend. Oh, love that. You said earlier you had a question. Yes, I do. Um, because I wondered if you were going to talk about for what you've been watching, The Matrix, because obviously we've watched that together. We can then do that because we've seen it. Okay. Yeah. 
And I just wondered what, how it was analysed when you had your lecture about it or if you spoke about it with people. Ah, uh, yes. So for the context, in my Elements of Philosophy lecture, um, we were told to watch The Matrix because it would just aid our understanding. And we were talking about idealism, which is basically the premise that all your ideas and like things in your head, well, basically the idea that everything, all ideas are formed in your head and you're just like projecting them onto the world. And that kind of linked with the fact that in the matrix, spoilers if you haven't seen it, um, in the matrix, <laughs> everyone is bodies in vats, like plugged in to basically big like supercomputer things that make them think they're in the real world. Um, so idealism is kind of like a version of that. Like we could all just be like brains in a vat, imagining mm -hmm. everything and to say like you Kerry could be a, um, like an idea from my brain. Like you don't actually exist. Oh, that's scary to think about. And it's also even scarier right now, but because because of the Wi-Fi issues, we've turned yeah. our cameras off. So therefore we can't <laughs> talk to each other. So I'm just talking into the void to another voice, which is just yeah. talking back to me. <laughs> it is weird. It completely changes things, being able to see you or not see you. I yeah. don't like talking like this because you just, you can't pick up on cues. I don't know when you're about to say something or I, I can't read you I don't like it I know it's gonna be an interesting one to edit because I'll just be like long gaps where we're trying to tell who's gonna talk next <laughs> but so yeah you could just be an idea and not exist if I don't hear you but yeah mm -hmm. so oh philosophy now as well so oh, yeah well not really oh. matrix isn't it no. you know what I mean no, I was so surprised by it. That would be a good episode to do because it's just such a thought-provoking film. There's so much you can say about it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I kind of can't believe it's taken me this long to see it. I know. Especially as we are a podcast that talks mostly about films. And it's true, I, I really haven't seen a lot of the most popular films or the main films you know, everyone knows and loves. So I'm glad that we did watch it. Yeah, I do enjoy watching kind of like the classic films, like the ones that people call cult mm. classics, or the ones that are just, I know, such a part of everyday life. Like everyone's always like, oh, that's a glitch in the Matrix. People always make references to these. Yeah. It's cool now I finally understand about the whole red pill, blue pill thing. Yeah, because before I had no idea. It's like, I know there's this whole which pill do you pick? But yeah. I don't know any more than that. I know. Which pill would you take, though? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, it, mm. it, it's like you, know, you just live in ignorant bliss of knowing that there could be something else, but you just, you know, carry on, forget everything. Yeah. But you ex explore the quote-unquote real world, real existence interesting mm, yeah sorry I've also just had 
because I'm multitasking while we're doing this and I've just had another message to sort out the wi-fi so I am I now need to do that (laughs) was telling me oh oh god it's all plugging in and that and I'm thinking about the image of them oh my god when they're all plugged in in the fats like oh that's just it's so graphic I wasn't expecting that it's so gruesome without it's not like it's really bloody especially but it's just unnerving I'd say no it really is yeah Mm. not not ideal it does make you question everything yeah it's when uh, Lawrence Fishburne just says but what is real how do you define real and that really got me thinking I was like oh my god yeah how oh just what is real because when Neo's asking so is this real is this real and he's like well it just depends like how if you see it then it is there like what oh my god it's something that you think you can so easily define yeah but but actually you can't how can you prove it is real Exactly, and that was literally like this whole philosophy lecture was kind of like, okay, so you think something's real, but your senses can deceive you. Like, imagine you had a cup of water and you put a pencil halfway through the water and the pencil looks like it's it's bent. It looks like it's not completely straight anymore. So even though the pencil hasn't changed form, it looks like it has. Yeah, that's true. The lines with like the arrowheads different like the different way rounds <laughs> on the end so it looks like the lines are different lengths but actually they're the same length that yeah without being able to see it <laughs> like trying to verbally give you these examples but yeah <laughs> why, I don't know how can you trust what you see and then the trouble with like dreaming in reality because dreams have the same claim to reality so are they real yeah Oh, now don't you feel a bit disconcerted about ever dreaming again? Because what if that is actually happening? Yeah, it's like, you know how you have those dreams that it feels like it's not a dream. Like you just lived an entire day and then you wake up and you're like, wait, that was a dream? And like, you're not sure. And it's hard to tell. Mm. Yeah, sometimes when it is really... Like some dreams are so vivid, and you know when you wake up from them, and if you're screaming, you're dreaming, and you wake up and you carry on screaming. Yeah. It's like sometimes things will happen in my dreams, and I wake up and I think it actually happened, or yeah, I get a bit confused and I oh, but I remember this happening, and I can see it so clearly. Dreams are just such a minefield; they're just so. Oh, I don't know. There's so much to say about them. Now we've opened it up and nothing else. <laughs> We're going to have to do a whole other episode on this because it is really interesting, confusing stuff. That, yeah. To be honest, there aren't really any answers to. Like, people are still questioning all of this and they probably always will be. Yeah. It's like that we can't, we can have all these theories about dreams mm. and yeah it's hard to prove anything about them like just no one knows like how can you ever really know yeah exactly oh Um, it's got our brains going wearing it really has definitely woken me up a little bit (laughs) yeah oh my 
God. But anyway, enough of the Matrix. Let's talk about our actual, the, the title of this episode, and that is Clara and the Sun. Yes. Um, are you going to do a little summary for me? I can try to, but it's been a few weeks since I last... Since okay. I, you start and I can fill in any plot holes. Okay. <laughs> um, just, um, you would probably understand the words, just like a pre-warning. There will be lots of spoilers in this, so don't listen yeah. to the episode if you don't want to know what happens. Like, it's not like there's a massive no. crazy plot twist or anything. Oh, or do you think it's better? Should we just give our overall review if it, it's worth reading and then summarise just so people know if they want to know whether to read it? Okay, yeah, that's good. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. We'll do so, uh, just the overall impressions, whether you think Yeah. It wasn't okay. my favourite book that I've ever read, but I did really enjoy it. It took me a little bit to get into it. Mm-hmm. It raises a lot of interesting questions and themes and ideas, oh sorry, but whether it actually resolves any of those or gives any like, I don't know, clear explanation for them, I'm not sure, but I think it's maybe more thought provoking than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I think I so I gave it three out of five stars and my overall impressions are that it is a good book it's very well written uh it's got a lovely writing style yeah but I didn't give it any higher just because it's not for me I think as you said it opened up for some interesting conversations mm. um but it's just not a book that I love really I think may, if you really like sci-fi or you are interested in AI, then you'll love it. Mm. But otherwise, I don't particularly recommend it. But I, I definitely find it interesting and I, I am happy and excited to be discussing it with you today. Yeah, yeah, same. And like you say, the writing is just so good. Like he's yeah, really good. I mean, it won, won the Nobel Prize in Literature for a reason. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. That was it one? Or was it it won something? Or was it the Booker Prize? I can't remember. He's a Nobel Prize winning author. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think the book won some prize. Mm. But yeah. So you know it's going to be a good book. But if AI is not your thing, then it's not really your book. Yeah, exactly. That you absolutely can't fault his writing. Just a question of whether the subject matter is interesting to you. And if you read the blurb or synopsis and you think it sounds interesting, then I guarantee you'll really enjoy it. But otherwise, then yeah, maybe not. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully that's giving you guys an idea on whether you want to. Yeah. Get but anyway, should we now? Yeah. Or yeah. Not, let us give you a summary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So okay. the book is narrated by Clara, who is what's called an AF, which is an artificial friend. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a robot and starts off she starts off with her in in her shop, looking out the window and just watching the world go by. 
basically waiting until she's bought by someone to go and live with them and be their like artificial friend and blah blah. And then um, this girl Josie and her mum they walk past the shop often, and Josie like talks through the window to Clara and takes like a liking to her. Then eventually comes and buys Clara from the shop. So then she goes to live with Josie and her mum. And Josie is ill. I don't know what she's ill with, but she's got some kind of illness and she kind of goes in and out like of being really ill and being, being better. So Clara is kind of there to kind of help her, be her friend, be around her, um, make sure that like her health isn't declining, blah, blah, blah whatever. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of follows their relationship and um, <laughs> the neighbour Rick, he gets involved because he's yeah. a really close friends. And then Clara thinks, because Clara gets her like energy as such from the sunlight, that's kind of how she's powered mainly. And she wants to try and help Josie get better because she's really worried that Josie's gonna um, be ill and die, basically. Um, so she thinks she can go and talk to the sun and ask the sun to help Josie and make her better. I feel like I'm giving such a long conversation no. of this. No, um, not at all. Um, oh, right, why don't you pick it up so it's not just me chatting for so long? Okay, well, essentially, the book ends with um, Clara. So she destroys, I don't know what she calls it, but a machine that is oh, responsible like- for pollution. Is it like Cooting's machine? Yeah, I don't know what it does, but it's just some kind of machine. Yeah, yeah uh, it, as part of her deal with the sun to make Josie get better. And then, I don't know if it's because of this, but she then goes a bit downhill because she loses some of her fluid. Yeah. I'm not sure. And but then she makes another promise with the sun. So then Josie, by the end of the book, gets better. And then, but her and Rick grow apart. And when Josie goes off to uni, then Clara ends up at a scrapyard. And she just sits there, thinking about all her memories. And she says that she's had a lovely life. And that's that. Yeah. And I would say... No, sorry. No, I was going to say, when you said about how you're not sure what Josie was ill with, wasn't it because they said when you have this lifting thing when well, what I got from it it was never explicit is that nowadays there's this option to have some procedure done to you to make you really smart mm. I don't know and but there are risks with doing that so she was ill as a consequence of that uh, okay yeah 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 because they're saying like her sister also went through that and died Mm. and then yeah I wanted to just mention one little plot point Mm. the end they go back into the city and basically having her portrait being done that's what she's told anyway by her mum but in actual fact um yes this man I can't remember what he's called um oh um 
Oh, oh why do I it's like he's called? It's something like Petroclus, but it's a normal name. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to quickly skim through the book to see. Um, not this is bad because I only finished reading it a couple of days ago and I've already forgotten. Like you have an actual excuse. Henry Capaldi. Oh, I think I was thinking of like Peter Capaldi. Yeah. And then I was like, picture this. So Mr. Capaldi, he is, well, Josie thinks he's painting a portrait, but in reality, he's kind of painting and taking photos of her to make kind of like a, basically a, like a robot body of Josie. And the mum's plan is for Clara to like inhabit this shell of Josie's body to be a replacement for Josie if she dies. Yeah. So that the mum doesn't have to lose another child completely. It's like a way of keeping her around, which obviously has many issues. Mm. Yeah, moral, ethical things surrounding it. Yeah, yeah, that's actually it's really good that you mentioned that because that was quite jarring to read. The yeah. whole idea of her of grooming a robot to become your daughter in the event that she dies, and. You understand why she does it. Yeah. But it just doesn't, especially because Josie doesn't know that that's what's happening. She suspects something. And yeah, the father's that. a bit dubious about it as well. And you think, is that okay that she does that? It's creepy. Yeah, what do we think? I, it just doesn't sit right, obviously. Yeah, I felt very unsettled when mm. like those pieces started coming together. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And I fully, like, okay, not fully because I'm not a mother, but I understood the mother's reasoning. Yeah. This, how she wouldn't want to lose a child. But I was like, but you would, you'd always know that that wasn't actually your child. And then mm. some, when I say someone, something pretending to be her and it's because there's that weird moment when they go to the waterfall yeah they're all meant to go together the mum Josie Clara and the housekeeper they're all meant to go together but Josie's too ill to go mm-hmm. just the mum and Clara go and the mum gets Clara to pretend to be Josie when they're yeah. there and it, that scene is really weird right with me what did you think yeah I was more so creeped out at Clara than the mum because I you empathize with the mum a lot and you think she's I don't know if it's being older now in that you seem to be more on the wavelength of the parents and so I just felt for her a lot that she'd reached this point where she was desperately having to have a conversation with a robot impersonating her daughter to make her feel better mm. and I just oh it's just so heartbreaking and but it's quite scary how easily Clara could assume Josie's identity yeah. and then later on in the book right at the very end 
when this Mr Capazzi comes back and he asks if Clara would mind donating her body to science as such yeah. I, I mean I'm oversimplifying it but because there are these concerns now about whether the AFs, the artificial friends are a menace or not and I think it, they can definitely be seen as that it's easy to see why because in that one scene it is really frightening how quickly she switches and doesn't even question it and she just becomes Josie I mean would you not be alarmed if you were Josie like how would you feel that if a robot could that quickly emulate you yeah I know that would be so creepy and like Mm. yeah yeah that's raises questions like how with a robot an AF it's just amazing like how much information they pick up and how much do they pick up that you actually wouldn't want them to yeah how much is it okay for them to observe yeah and I think it's also really interesting because of course it's all through Clara's narrative her point of view and she's so observational she notices every tiny little thing Mm. and I think it's interesting to have a like an AI novel as such where it's it's a robot narrating it. It's from yeah. their because normally it's the other way around. It's the humans looking on the robots. And yeah. I don't know, it kind, of, it kind of centers the AF mm. having it be narrated by her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, I like having it told from Clara's viewpoint. And, you know, Ishiguro does this really well in how things that we wouldn't necessarily think about we can you know obviously having Clara allows us to realize with for instance when she's just walking outside and she's adjusting how she walks to the terrain and it's quite hard for her and I thought oh okay that's interesting how we would just acclimatize to that and not think anything of it and yet that becomes a real effort yeah and so it's just so astute and very specific and sensitive to the intricacies of being AI or AF. And I was like, oh, that's so cool that you picked up on that. Mm. Essentially. It does take a lot to kind of get in the head of a robot Mm. as such. Yeah. Mm. And another thing is, it's interesting how much everything boils down to logic mm. and even though robots supposedly can't feel Clara is good at feeling and making judgments about feelings yeah when it's like she might when Josie and Rick have an argument she can say oh like, it's going to take some time for him to forgive you and she can understand that mm. because there was an argument surely and Josie instigated it that means Rick needs to forgive Josie and Josie's like what no obviously he you know I need to forgive him not the way around and it's amazing that she can Clara can pick up on that yeah it's like it's all kind of boils down to the logic Mm. like you say and it's like is is that an advantage of having these um AFs around, AFs, AIs, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just using interchangeable terms. 
AF, like in the book, or AIs or cyborgs, yeah. robots, same difference. Yeah. Right? So it raises that question again of are AI, well, AF, let's just go with AFs. Okay, we'll are AFs uh, able or capable of feeling? But the book made me think, not necessarily, but do they need to? Because they use how other people are feeling and apply logic to that to arrive to arrive at a feeling if that makes sense yeah no it does so it's kind of like without kind of I know having the ability themselves to feel they're able to understand and make sense of feelings and the idea of feeling Mm. how I know people act in different situations by observing, by watching how other people do that. So then it's kind of like mm-hmm. copying. But yeah. I know, like, to what extent would we want these AFs to take the place of people? Because that's kind of what, what it comes down to towards the end, or what it could come down to if the ending had been different. Yeah. The AF would have like assumed the role of a person and mm-hmm. what what I don't know, what limitations would there be yeah. to a robot substitute for a human? Yeah. That's it. And how many differences are there between the AFs and the humans? Because mm-hmm. you would think that, you know, it'd be very obvious, but Clara seems to think very much like a human it's just more so like she's I it's hard to say because I was gonna say it's like she's just grown up and maybe her mind's just a bit behind that it could be like younger for her years mm. and as she goes outside and adapts to the environment then she starts to think and act more like a human but then having said that she makes judgment calls that are very much beyond the years of a human at that age so mm, maybe the the AF seem to develop at a different rate, but they are actually fairly similar to the humans in it, which is obviously you know, her role can be taken over by Clara. So that's another interesting thing is like how close AFs can come to assuming just being humans. Mm. Yeah, no, and I think that's a fair point because, that, like you say, with the whole, like, age thing, at points, Clara seems like a child, the way mm. the way she thinks, the way she does things. But then at other times, like you say, she has what feels like years and years of experience and understanding. And I guess that comes down to how, how the AFs process and understand things differently. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's interesting yeah I do have a question though Mm. what do you think about the being able to buy an AF or like saying that you buy Clara you choose friends Mm. how do you feel about that I feel like 
that in itself raises so many like ethical and moral mm-hmm. problems because I feel like the first thing that comes into my mind is like a weird form of modern slavery. Yeah. If you get what that's I mean. Okay, I yeah, yeah, absolutely. The AFs, they're made, they're artificial friends. They're made to be companions for people and I think mm. children whatever. But that in itself is weird. It's like the whole like buying a friend for your mm. child. Or what um what advantages do you think having in a robot friend will have on your child or whatever? But it's like say you were to then or if it's like if it was okay to buy artificial friends like to be friends, eventually mm. people would buy them to be like housekeepers and do other, do other jobs and yeah. that's a thing in the book later on when they're in the city all the people are getting really annoyed because these AFs have started to take over jobs they're doing yeah. jobs that the people did before because they can do them better and then I don't know whether do they even pay them because do the AFs do they have the same I don't know laws and, and rights as people so it isn't mm-hmm. a form of modern slavery which is kind of weird and unsettling I don't know yeah well no because and then there's the conversation with when they're maybe going to go and see a show or something mm-hmm. and then um one of the girls has a go at Clara and is like you can't go in and see the show you're taking up a human seat yeah. which is like that's interesting in the future would we reach the point with them when there's discrimination against AFs? Yeah. Like, that's a whole thing. Yeah. But also, yeah, that, do you know what? I just realised something from what you were saying. Mm. They have the capability to have these AFs, but then why is it that they're not used in more settings? Like, they have, oh, what's she called? The housekeeper, is it like Melania? Oh, yeah, um, I'll find it. And she, you know, she's human. Why is that not an AF? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, what, what jobs are the AFs? What jobs do the AFs do, like, are deemed, I don't know right for them to do or not to do as opposed mm. to do. yeah interesting mm. like you don't really see how it's very focused on just this one specific instance of using an mm. AF but you don't see how it's impacted the wider society as much like there's mentions of how people have lost their jobs but I don't know if that was more to do with this um lifting process that they yeah. speak about and there's some robotic birds you see flying around mm. yet you don't when you go into the city it seems as if you know it could be just nowadays like the city's yeah. very familiar like, talking about pollution and that and people going to the stores to the cinema mm. and so you don't see the wider effects that much which is you know, I'd like to read a whole book and see what does the rest of society look like. Then. 
Yeah, because this is very much like a single snapshot of Clara's experience in the world. Yeah. She doesn't see much of the world. She sees from the shop window. She sees Josie's house, Rick's house, like the field on the way to the barn, and then a bit of the city, and then is put into the yard. So she doesn't really see see the world. So she has a very selective view of life. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and also, because the pollution is a big theme in the book, and the enemy to the sun, which is, again, like the sun is a very important feature of the book, it being in the title. And I wonder how much of Clara's interactions with the sun and at least in some capabilities are meant to be true, if that makes sense. Like, obviously she believes that, you know, the sun can help her and help Josie. And, but can it actually... I mean, I don't know if it is a requirement that the AF do need the sun nourishment, but it, in this world that we're inhabiting, is it, I don't know, like, do you, what do you think? No, I know what you mean, because it, it's not explicitly stated whether, whether that is the case or not, but Clara seems to, seems to have it in her head, like, it's a very strong belief of hers that the sun helps her, and therefore the sun will help Josie, even yeah. though, I guess, from our position, we're like, we're like, well, no, the sun isn't actually going to heal her. But then there's that weird, that weird moment when she does get better, when they open all the curtains and the sun comes in, and she's suddenly better, and it, yeah, it does make you question whether it was all just Clara having this belief that has this almighty power and where did she even get that belief from and then that in yeah. itself raises questions about how these AFs can have their own beliefs about things which mm-hmm. and then but then it also makes you question how different from our own society this is because of course we don't see much of it so therefore we fill in the gap. Mm-hmm that we don't know with our own understanding of the world, but who knows? I, I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but um, it could be some kind of weird, completely dystopian society where the sun actually does have these powers. Like, we don't know what the laws of this world are as such. Maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm yeah. thinking a little bit too much. No, 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 that's exactly what I was thinking though. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, I, you know, I don't. Maybe it's that the sun has, because I don't, pollution is so bad. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily worse than it is in our you know day to day lives. But is it that it's reached this point where there is so much pollution that the sun is this huge symbol for good, and it's become a bit yeah. godlike. And that's why she's so obsessed with the sun and thinks that it can do all these miracles. And maybe we'll never know if it was actually the sun that led to Josie getting better or not. I really maybe, I think I guess that's the point. Yeah, I really like that idea of like it it's more about like the symbol of the sun and what the sun represents 
to Clara. Yeah. I think is, is most important. Mm. So yeah, that's a whole really cool, exciting thing. And it definitely, like, you know it's going to be important from the fact that the, the title is Clara and the Sun. You know there's going to be yeah. some links, some big importance between mm. them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. I feel mm. like it's definitely raising more questions than it answers, but I think that's maybe the joy of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just a, a book that very much stimulates your mind. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, really, it really, really does. And because you, when you go through it, you're on the back foot as well because you're not seeing it from a human perspective. As we said, you see it from Clara's perspective. And yeah. so the whole your view on the world shifts and so that again is a bit unsettling in that you just how she just analyzes people when she meets them it's, you're a bit taken aback how blunt it is yeah. and because obviously she doesn't yeah she's not got a filter and when she's talking about how when you know Josie has these meetings with other kids which is a whole another strange thing when they're all taught at home by themselves and so they have to have these special socials so that they can actually interact with other kids anyway when Clara is sizing up the other kids she's just so brutal about them especially with the Danny boy and she takes no prisoners and she's just oh I don't like these kids which again, is, it feeds into her being able to feel in a way because you know there's some kids that she doesn't really want to talk to. She's not just, you know, she's able to think for herself clearly. Yeah. Oh, do you also, I just yeah. thought I wanted to ask you about, did you like Josie's character? And do you Ooh. think she's acted her age? Honestly, at this point, I couldn't even tell you how old Josie was. I think to start with, she was 14. Yeah, I think she was kind of teenager, and we probably only see, I know it feels like maybe only a year or two in her life. Maybe not even mm. I'm not really sure what the time I think at the end it speeds up. Yeah, at the end it speeds up and it kind of jumps to her yeah. university and then her being gone. Um, yeah. But that, I hadn't even thought about whether I really liked the character of Josie like Mm. I think I did no I think I did at first no I think throughout the whole thing and I guess another question is also what did you think of the character of Clara like did you like Uh, yeah oh yeah I think our perception of Josie is through or perception of everyone is through Clara's eyes. Yeah. Of course, Clara likes Josie because Josie is the one who decided that she was going to be her AF and take her home. And Clara feels this need to help Josie because of how much she likes her and wants her life to be best. So I think we are kind of skewed to like her because yeah. Clara's eyes, who does? I don't know, what do you think? Mm. Well, I didn't like Josie because 
I always thought that she's what, 14, 15. She seemed younger to me. And I don't know if this is to do with the fact that I was listening to the audio book. And so <laughs> the voice of her was really annoying. And I, maybe if I just read it, then I wouldn't have minded as much. But I feel like she's so lovely to Clara when she first meets her. And then when she's at home, Clara just is very much in the background. Yeah, and outside the door, just sat on me. Yeah. Mm. I think, I do want to say Clara's like having a pet, but she kind of is. And no, I think she kind of is, yeah. She just abandons her, I feel. And this is the thing, because even though Clara likes her, and so you would think that we do like her, and you're absolutely right in what you're saying, mm. Clara is able to distance herself emotionally and she understands her role is just to be there to help yeah. Josie if she needs to because I don't think in a logical way I've got more emotions attached I think oh no but you know Josie really should be looking after you as well and yeah. you know Clara's like oh you know it's my duty but I'm like no like Josie just leaves you and yeah, Carl's a robot, but she's not. That's the whole point, isn't it? She's there to be a friend, an artificial one like that. But I feel like Josie just is very immature. And also she's very mean to Rick, who I love. Oh, Rick deserves so much better. Bless yeah, him. I love Rick. He's so lovely. And I know that Josie is going through a lot of being ill and losing her sister. But mm, I just don't particularly want her. I thought it was going to be a lovely story of, you know, Josie becoming besties with Clara and then living their lives together, having a wonderful time. And Clara says she has a lovely time, but I still feel like, mm, do you know what I mean? Josie just could have been nicer, made the most of having that friend there. Because isn't that the point to have an AF is to be friends with them? Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I 100% agree with what you were saying, because I think she does act immature. And if anything, I think Clara has a better relationship with Rick than she does. Yeah, they do, actually. Even just mm. back to near the beginning, when Josie has all the other kids around her house, and they have, like, I don't know what they call it, that, like, weird meeting thing. And she mm-hmm. Rick round as well and all and when all the other kids are being being mean and talking about throwing Clara around the room because it's like oh yeah what we want with her let's throw her around the room and the fact is Josie never sticks up I know or like I don't know asserts herself in that situation it kind of just all these kids are just like hurling words and things that Clara and she's just kind of stood there not really knowing what to do Josie isn't really helping Rick Mm -hmm. is at a loss as well and it just isn't that loving relationship between the two which you expect yeah quite interesting because I've got the book sat in front of me and the Mm -hmm. last bit of the blurb says um, about the, the, the um, 
through look at the world through the eyes of an unforgivable narrator to explore a fundamental question what does it mean to love is kind of like i don't know i yeah i think clara and the sun and clara and rick have better relationship than clara and josie yeah and again because i i think a big question there's a lot of questions in the novel but one is that of should we I'm assuming that with the lifting process to make them smarter is that some kind of genetic engineering I assume it must be yeah and you know I remember in biology lessons talking about what are the ethics behind if we can genetically engineer people that you know to avoid to make them and so is this another question is it okay to do that is that the best scenario solution etc because rick hasn't gone through this process but he is more emotionally intelligent than josie is even though she has undergone it and is able to have a better relationship with clara so in part, um, Josie's not quite become robotic like Clara, but she also isn't, she's still a human, but, you know, she's been engineered somewhat as well. And so I wonder why, you know, she's maybe becoming slightly less human too, and in which case is why Rick, as fully human, is able to get on better with Clara, I wonder. I think that's such an interesting point and thing to raise. Because it's yeah. like, well, is is this whole this whole lifting process, of course, is meant to make them more intelligent and smarter so that they can do better in life. But what what yeah. are the rules of that? Which obviously, very obviously, through Josie being ill, that's a big downfall. But like you say, mm. does this okay? Say we take it for it being um, she's being genetically engineered because I think that's probably the most logical explanation for it what harm has that done because I guess people only kind of focus on on the positives of it Mm. like what harm has that done to other aspects of her like humanity yeah Mm. is it really worth it when like you say that he seems to be um He's very intelligent, he's more thoughtful, he seems more caring and emotionally invested. I don't know, it's... Mm, yeah. yeah. It's so much that we're just scratching the surface oh, of. As we're talking, I'm thinking of more and more questions. So I'm really, oh. really excited to dive into this in my seminars because we have... Yeah. Three- focusing on it which is quite nice to have three weeks on a novel yeah so that won't happen until like end of november december time so i'll definitely be okay. back to this podcast yeah i you have to keep me posted on what you talk about because oh, now i'm invested in this book <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm way more invested in this book than i was an hour ago oh that's something i'm glad oh. <laughs> Do you have any oh, final yeah. remarks about the book? 
Yeah, actually, there was one more thing I was thinking. Yeah, go for uh, it. And it's about Rick's mum. I yeah. can't remember her name because who's Ooh. Chrissy? Which mum is that? Rick's mum or Josie's mum? Chrissy is Josie. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Is she called Helen? And Helen Rick's is mom? Rick's Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all I want to say about her was she was a really fascinating character and yeah. I would love it if you unpacked her in your seminars and came back to me on her because she made the, because I think also just the whole the role of being a mother in this book is so so fascinating yeah. because she made this decision for Rick to not go through the lifting process mm-hmm. and she's still trying to make him have the best life possible as you know mothers do yeah and trying to get him into this school mm-hmm. and she goes into the city and meets an old flame of hers to help Rick and that whole conversation yeah. was it felt like a different part of the novel like it could belong to a different novel because that feeds back to the question on the blurb that you brought up about what what is it to love mm. and she's just so complex because she seems to see that and then she's just got this whole other part that seems much more human than any of the other characters in it perhaps and when yeah. she's talking about how she has wronged all these people and you know, abandoned the guy she meets up with and broke his heart and I was like do you know what? I really love a whole separate book on her oh yeah so so intriguing mm. no I I definitely agree and I think yeah mm. and it's nice that like someone who could be seen as just like an extra character actually mm-hmm. has quite a lot to them because like yeah I didn't have to I don't know create her in such a way and make that much depth but I think it's really interesting and then to compare her to Josie's mum and the differences yeah it's really interesting and it opens up a whole other bunch of questions and thoughts and ideas I feel like she is the link to the past and maybe life before AFs. I don't know when that started. You don't really know, you're just thrown into it. But uh, a link to a more human time and she brings that human element into the story, which is why I really love her. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting that at the end of the book, it kind of seems like it's turned to a life after AFs because, of course... And all like this, the beasts, twos and threes that Clara was because she was like a beast. Mm. Because of course, when she's in the yard and she sees her old manager, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I've been yeah, sold AFs for years. Like that hasn't been a thing for so long." So it's like mm. turn around. It's like, well, did society decide that they didn't need them, or I don't know? Yeah, question what the society is like afterwards. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Um, did you have any more closing remarks? I think we've covered all we can cover in the time that we have. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll okay. Talk. 
for a while more about this. There's so many things we haven't even touched on. It's great. I think it's been a great, like, delving into it all. Oh, are you still there? Yeah. Okay. So, would you like to... Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> so, would you like to go on to your blonde moments? Yes. I kind of feel like my blonde moment isn't the most light-hearted today. Okay, that's fine. So, I've, I've been trying to, like keep in touch with the news and like what's gen- generally happening in the world because I can kind of feel a little bit out of the loop here in Germany of course because like they don't have a telly to like put the news on so I've been like reading news stories and whatever and mm-hmm. this morning was I don't know whether it was the trial or like the court hearing or something for uh, the Sarah Everard case yeah um, and my blonde moment goes to her and basically all women ever. And I just want to say, because he has been, um, he's been given life in prison now, which is a good thing. And I'm very glad that that has been the outcome of this, but obviously it's terrific that the whole situation happened anyway. So yeah, my bond moment goes to her and all women everywhere. Now, she should be talking about it. I think it's important to take a moment for her. Mm. So, I will just add. Oh, no. Can you hear me? No? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. You've disappeared for a second, but I got caught you then. Oh, my God. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. It just went at one point. Um, so, I don't know where you heard me up to. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take away anything with my blonde moment. I will add that there is this author called Holly Bourne, who's amazing. She's one of my favourite authors. She kind of has blonde hair, but she definitely deserves to be celebrated. Yeah. And I saw she shared, uh, she's really amazing on social media. She's very active at sharing, you know, um, important to read, etc. And she had a lot of statistics and information about um, cases similar to Sarah's on her story this morning I think I might have been looking at it's definitely worth checking her out um, she's and it said that is my bond moment also yeah no definitely that's brilliant yeah yeah so anyway uh, <laughs> we've managed to make it to the end without too many issues yeah, so hopefully, yeah, no, I think we'll be fine. There was just a little bit of technical stuff in like, <laughs> the last two minutes, but I think it'll be absolutely fine when I edit it. So, yeah, okay. Um, but should we fill in what the next episode is going to be about? Uh, yeah, let me just actually have a look what it is. I've completely. Well, no, is it not uh, us watching Frankenstein, the National Theatre version? Yes, it is. Yeah, so I just start reading that soon as well because I don't know if we're going to talk about the original, uh, but I just want to read anyway because it's another one of these big ones I've never actually read. Yes, I've started reading it a few times but never finished, so I'll finish it again. Okay, that'd be good. So, yeah, wants to watch it. Mm-hmm. A university, I think probably most universities, I know definitely yeah. 
but probably most universities have access to drama online where you can watch loads mm -hmm. of national theatre and other productions and also read obviously lots of plays and things so do check that yeah. out if you want to watch the Franken Frankenstein or any of the others we're going to watch yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch as the creature we decided. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's also the version where he's Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also uh, an uh, option to just pay for a subscription to National Theatre online and you might be able to access it that way. Yeah. If you're not a student. Yeah. I don't think it's too expensive. So mm. definitely worth doing if you like theatre. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. For joining us for this episode this lovely bookish episode yes and we'll see you all next time yeah thanks for listening to see o'clock with keller see you next time <laughs>